Hit the button. There is no T minus zero. No T minus zero. <laughs> That's not even a thing. That's the longest 11 ever. Here we go. I can do a countdown. Ready? Wow. I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> That's his cookies in the oven. It's 1245. We're alive. Hey, everybody. Hello. Everybody's oh. filing in. All right. This is great. Hey. Welcome, everyone. Hi. It's just us. It's Hi, just Kyle. us and. Hi, Michael. Hi, Chris. What's up? <laughs> so, um, once again, uh, we're back at AES um, with the Crass folks in St. Louis, Missouri, virtually from uh, just outside of Philly, Chris Leonard, just outside of uh, upstate Rome, New York, Michael Lawrence. Uh, we are the hosts of the Signal to Noise podcast. Um, we've been doing this for well over a year and a half now, right, Michael? I think. Uh, actually, I think, I think it's been two years, buddy. I just I got a pop up in my memory. Chris Leonard spreading the taco word. It was a year ago today. So, um, yeah, man, it's, a uh, it's been a nice journey. It's good to be back. Uh, it's good to it, be back in it, this format. It is. And, uh, so this is kind of a special one for us because Kyle and I actually met, doing uh, a panel for this summit, I think two years ago. And uh, I was a little bit late and Kyle was wicked late. Um, As usual. And, and, and uh, we, based on that, we decided to start a podcast. And so here we are, uh, almost 100 episodes and over 150,000 downloads later. Uh, it's been really cool to see the community grow up. And I mean, I, I, we're, we're pretty spoiled. You know, we've met like so many amazing people and had so many incredible guests, and I've learned so much. So um, this is a really fun one for us to kind of go back to our roots on this. And Kyle uh, was on time this time, so we, we're making we're making yeah. progress here. Yeah. <laughs> I had Skittles, and I got all my cuss words out ahead of time. All right, Thanks so to Claire and the people at AES. Yes, Kyle's well fed, so he will uh, hopefully be a good contributor to this episode. Uh, before we start, a little housekeeping, everyone, you know. We are coming up on our 100th episode. We got some really badass uh, prizes from our sponsors. Alan Heath's giving away a mixing console. Audix is giving away an awesome microphone bundle. Uh, head over to SignalNoisePodcast.com. Sign up for the giveaway. It's going to be sweet. Um, Kyle Turnside, what's the coolest thing you have within arm's length? Oh, whoa. Uh, so my daughter gave this to me, and she goes, Dad, I made you a weapon. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, yes. I mean, She's like this six years old, right? seven and she drew me a picture of a shark eating a man and she was like that's you and i was like oh no i need something to defend myself so wow wow aluminum foil with two picks it i yeah it's worse <laughs> than stepping on a lego what do you have chris in leonard. arms length chris Le chris leonard arms length so um when i went to hong kong with uh tears for fears oh, we drink. Were... <laughs> that's true um <laughs> We were on show site, and I thought this was pretty cool. This is caution tape in um, Whoa. in Chinese, Chinese caution tape. And so I asked for like a small roll of it because I thought it was cool looking. So I, I've kept it. 
It actually says cool. it's America's fault on it. Yeah, it probably is like stupid Americans. What are you guys doing? Like, it's probably what it says up here. I have no idea. Send your uh, send your upset comments to uh, signal number two noise podcast at gmail.com. We'll go straight to Kyle's inbox. Uh, I have a piggy bank that only holds one penny uh, sitting on my desk. That's what I have. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect for so, COVID yep, for audio exactly. people. So that's my rainy so, day fund right there. I make myself a, a gumball or uh, I don't know if penny can't. Is penny candy still a thing? No. No, well, so this is this is just a, you know that's you're okay, lucky if you can get like quarter candy now. Damn. When I was so, your age, candy was a was a cent. <laughs> so here's what I want to do for our listeners: one, um, start sending your questions in for us now. If you have some built up and you've been watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, send questions now. Two, I want to go through each of us and kind of give a little background and history on what we came from before we started this podcast so you guys get a good realization. Um, who wants to start? Who, who wants to do that thing? I think you should start, Kyle. This is, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're an alumnus. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking for that honorary diploma that. The, uh, yeah, the honorary, the honorary uh, degree from the school that you actually attended. Yeah. Correct. What, what year did you attend Webster University, Kyle? Holy cow. 92 to. 94 and i think they didn't have the live bit you know my friend casey hunter is doing uh the live stuff down there he's a full-fledged professor now you know thanks to him for getting that program up and running but i was there between 92 and 94 i focused mostly on um broadcast recording and um some music theory uh super fun school to attend i grew up in st louis missouri i've been doing sound here since I was a child, I was in local metal bands um, that played around in the early '90s. Um, and we, we should actually, say you were you were the singer. That's yeah, important. Uh, yeah, we actually re-recorded the whole album. So if you guys want to hit that thing up and give me some streams, we made eighty-five cents since November. So sweet. So you had like um, ten thousand streams then, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you need like eighty-five of those little pigs. Yeah, yeah. I here I got you. Got your royalties for you right here, buddy. There it is. Um. Uh, after Webster, I went to Springfield, Missouri, to then called Southwest Missouri State, where I studied event management and um, music business classes. It was a new program. It was kind of lame, to tell you the truth. And I ended up working at a venue there called the Juke Joint. And I started touring with the St. Louis band called Not Waving But Drowning. I don't know if you guys know that. It's just crappy metal band from here. Uh, from there... I uh, picked up some other little tours, the Funk Junkies, who are a big X Games thing. Um, if you remember the Kiss cover tune, Love It Loud in Tommy Boy, that was them. Um, and then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona and picked up a bunch of other stuff. Um, my first big tour was Fall Out Boy, um, right after Take This to Your Grave. Um, and then I did the full From Under the Cork Tree tour. Um, Infinity on High, Fully Adu, Up to Hiatus, and I got a other resume of bad metal bands and rap, and I've worked at tons of venues. Um, whether I was a general manager, production manager, audio engineer, um, helping book talent, running ice to the bus, I've kind of done it all. So I'm back in St. Louis, Missouri now. I haven't, uh, sun's out, I haven't got shot. Um, it's been a couple years. <laughs> All is good. Your, your guns aren't out, though. We were looking for your guns today. Yeah, so, I thought you were yeah. Out, guns out, but yeah. Sun's out, guns out. And that's about it. Uh, I've been on the AES panels now for about six years, not in a row, not consecutive. I did meet uh, 
Michael Lawrence at the AES. Was it three years ago? Two, like two years ago, I think. Two years ago. Yeah, I think so. And uh, he was he had started the podcast with Pro Sound Web because uh, he's the technical editor of Pro Sound Web. I'm sure he'll tell you that as well. And um, he was hosting it with one of the editors. And I kind of came in at episode nine, and this turned into a thing. And now, which is which is when people started actually listening to the show, by the way, right around the time we got Keith out of there. So, <laughs> which he says all the time. He says the best movie ever made was replacing me with Kyle. <laughs> Super flattering. I think Keith is awesome. But the people over awesome. Pro Sound Web kind of gave us a platform to do whatever we like. Talk about audio. Talk about touring. Talk about install. We we've. This is fun. This the signal to noise thing is bigger than we'd ever believe it. I think we're in the top three percent of all podcasts in the world. Not even doing a um, a category. I know in performance art we're a little bit different, but um, I, I'm blessed to have friends like Michael and Chris, and the plethora of guests that we've had are insane. Um, Kyle, I live in St. Louis. Take it away. Someone else, take it away. Chris Leonard. All right. Uh, yeah, like like Kyle, I've been doing audio since I was a little kid. Uh, my dad did kind of the cover band thing when he was in college. And so when I came around, um, I was putting gear in the back of a station wagon almost every weekend um, or a small, small truck or trailer. <clears throat> um, and just, you know, doing friends bands in high school, um, after high school, which didn't go very well. Uh, I was like, I got to do something the rest of my life. I wanted to do sound. I went to recording school, a place called Sheffield Institute for the Recording Arts. Um, it's like a it's like a trade school. It wasn't you know it's not like a degree or anything like that, um, like a two hundred and fifty hour program or something. <clears throat> the biggest thing about that was uh, I, I I thought I needed to go to school to get in the industry, which um, you, you don't have to, but it's helpful. Uh, and the biggest but we thing, have an episode about it, so you can listen to our comments. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to summarize that in like a sentence. Um, <laughs> But uh, for me, the biggest thing it helped was um, in my backyard was Maryland Sound. I'm originally from Maryland, um, and yeah, they came to the school looking for some of their top students. I got a chance to interview, uh, which led me you know, to get my gig at Maryland Sound, which is where I spent uh, six or seven years touring around the world uh, with artists like Tears for Fears, Drink, Cup, Drink. <laughs> uh, Josh Groban, Disturbed, Don Henley, um, like R&B stuff like Neo and Bow Wow and other, you know. And, and you held out on us, the Bow Wow thing for like 45 episodes. And he's like, oh yeah, I was on tour with Bow Wow. We're like, you tour with Bow Wow? I don't Street know. I don't, cred, dude. I don't normally bring that up, but. Well, you should. I would have that on a t-shirt if that was my gig. That's awesome. I, that's hard, I don't that's bring up. I usually don't bring up one gig either. Do you want me to say it in front of all yeah, the ideas? Yeah, let's do it. So the one gig that I never bring up is I did Insane Clown Posse on the Wicked Wonka tour. Now, no. I wasn't working for them, and here's why I don't bring it up. I was working for uh, the Cottonmouth Kings, but I ended up doing Front of House for Bone Thugs and Harmony and Tech Nine nice. for that show. And the clowns actually pulled me aside on their bus one night, and he goes, eh. Kyle, you're not doing those other bands. You just work for the band that hired you. Magic Ninja what? And and it was over. Said. <laughs> so I usually don't talk about that tour very much. But I did learn how to shoot a bottle of Fago off my fingers right into people's faces. And that was <laughs> 
man. Well, I don't back, think you back. guys have even heard that story. I, no. I've never heard that story no. before. I don't even know no. what it, Chris no. Leonard, you were talking about Maryland sound. I think before I that to pull that uh, clip that out tangent. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So it, aside from touring too, we get to do some cool things like uh, we call like mega events. So like Times Square, New Year's Eve, um, presidential inauguration. I've done four of the last five presidential inaugurations. Um, we do cool things too, like the, um, do action sports tour, which is kind of like X games, but it kind of travels around the, you know, just, you know, outside of the box things. Um, and then, it, uh, you know, the touring lifestyle was difficult with having a family. Um, so I kind of left touring, moved up to where, uh, I met my wife, which isn't outside of Philly area. And for the last 11 years, I've been at IMS Technology Services, which is a corporate audiovisual company, everything from two speakers on sticks to 10,000 people in a general session in a uh, convention center, uh, full-scale production, audio, video, lighting. For the last 10 years, I was the director of audio there. Um, and then just recently, uh, beginning of this year, um, I took the director of technical operations position um, <laughs> at the company. And uh, yeah, this new, is stereo. Uh, you see stereo, stereo golf claps there for you, Chris. <laughs> it's immersive. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I've been been podcasting now with these guys. So episode sixteen is when I came on board, which was uh, November or December of nineteen, and um, nineteen nineteen. It was a uh, it was one hundred and one years ago that you came on board. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not as old as Kyle. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and then I actually re- uh, in November of last year, basically almost like a year anniversary of me starting with Singleton Noise, I started my own little adventure called How We Got Loud, which is a podcast about the history of live sound, um, and I'm slowly chugging away at that as I can, and um, hence the uh, Tiger Bray t-shirt here, which if you don't know who they are, uh, if you ever heard of a Gamble console, Jim Gamble, he started at Tiger Bray. Um, it's a it's a cool it's a cool thing, so. And you have the the most fashionable background of the three of us by a large margin. And Kyle has a gold record. And it's so the of my bedroom. So yeah. That's platinum, bro. That's it's platinum. <laughs> that so, album went diamond. That's that's fantastic. And by the way, if any of has questions, oh, comments, uh, drop them in the drop them in the chat. I know that Claire was gonna Claire is our, our question wrangler. Uh, who, who are you? Who are you? Michael, Matt, Matt Lawrence. Uh, yeah. Michael SPL Lawrence. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, left unattended in my, uh, junior high auditorium and thought that all of that equipment was really cool. And, uh, before long, I knew how to run some of it enough that they would like pull me out of math class to come and run lights or sound for a meeting or something like that, uh, which is kind of funny. And, you know, the really cool thing is that the, the, uh, gentleman who had the contract for that place to provide the tech services didn't say, Hey kid, get out of here. He taught me stuff. Um, and, and, you know, 20 years later, I think it's literally 19 years we've been working together. I, I still work with him and we're, we're, we're partners on a lot of productions and, um, I went to uh, music school in in Boston, Massachusetts. I went to Berkeley. Um, never heard of and it. And never heard of it. Um, you know, do you ever see the the movie Legally Blonde? And she has no context for what Harvard is. And they say you got into Harvard. She's like, why? Like it's hard. And I I truly had no concept of music schools or or what Berkeley was. And I was just like, this seems like a cool place to go. And I applied and it was like, was it where else did you apply? I'm like, I didn't apply anywhere else. Like, you didn't have any other backup plans. I'm like, like none of it occurred to me. It's thought it was a cool place to go. And I went there and it was only later people were like, wow, you went to Berkeley. That's really cool. I'm like, Oh, is it? That's, that's nice. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I went there 
Um, and, you know, I always, uh, obviously I have a great love for music, but I got more interested in audio and, um, eventually more interested in the, in the system side of things. And then from there, I kind of got more interested in the test and measurement side of things. Um, I'm a freelance system tech in 2019. I started working with rational acoustics who make the smart software analyzer. Um, as far as I know, you can't have a cooler job than going out to big, huge rock concerts and helping people tune PA systems. That's about as cool as it gets. And, and. Within the last year or so, we've been really focused on SPL, so sound exposure at concerts and what's safe and what's legal and helping mix engineers mix loud, impactful, fun, dynamic mixes that are not at unsafe levels and don't bother the neighbors. And we've been really working on our tool set for that. So that's kind of where I spend a lot of my time now. I've published a couple of AES papers about that on a couple of working groups. So a lot of my a lot of my 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 daytime work is spent dealing with concert sound levels and stuff. Um, so that's sort of my end of it. Uh, and so here we are, the sum is greater than the parts. Um, and it's really been, you know, I was just telling my parents this morning, uh, my power was out. So I went down to my parents' house to hang out and I was just telling them that there's Casey Hunter, Kyle, Casey Yay, Hunter just popped Casey. in. So <laughs> she can say hello. Um, Casey, I think it's probably almost every day at this point that I hear from somebody who's listening to the show and has a question or has a comment or wants to connect with someone else. Um, you know, we have a, the, our discord, you know, uh, Freya's doing a drawing of a, a guy's dog and he's going to meet her and feed her some fantastic Italian cooking. And, you know, watching these people connect, I, I'm a really, that's really cool to see and getting emails saying, Hey, I really like what that guest had to say. You know, I'd like to kind of talk to them and to, to just connect this web you know, of interactions through our industries, everybody knows, or, or you will certainly learn it's a very small industry. Um, so those connections that you develop are your lifeline. Um, and that's, that's probably the most important thing to have. If you want to survive professionally, you want to thrive professionally is to have a good network of professional connections and, and friends. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't think of a lot of my connections as professional. They're, they're my friends at this point. And, and to be able to develop that and to be able to kind of give people a uh, a look into that is really, really cool. And then Kyle set up uh, on our Facebook page a, a mentorship program. And we're connecting people with, with mentors who want to help them learn about various things. I know Chris is working with a couple people. Kyle's working with a couple people. I, I meet with, I think, three people uh, once a week. We have times now. And... and I tend to get people that are interested in five. You have five, Kyle? I have five people. And, and it's hard to keep track of. Two of them in the UK, so it it's rare, but right. now they just bell me. So what what kind of stuff are you guys working on or talking about? What are those conversations like? Um, mostly what we're supposed to be doing during COVID. I mean, and uh mental health and mm -hmm. um what we should be doing afterwards or what skill set we need to focus on. I mean, basically I let them run with it. I want to know what their personality is. You know, one, it, it's kind of cool because I think we get chose as the mentor for different skill sets, you know, and um, I'm, I'm kind of good about dealing with uh, the mental health thing and sure. how to push through and encouragement. Um, everybody I've talked to is, is amazing. Like, um, uh, one guy's 54 years old. One, one guy's like 22. Um, mm. uh, 
all over the country right now. I have two from the UK and three scattered across the US. And that doesn't even count the other people that just called to ask questions, you know. Um, Casey will probably attest to this. I'm not good at uh, answering emails at all, but if I leave my phone number, I answer my phone. It's pretty much because uh, I, I tour managed and production managed and I was a customer support person for Midas consoles for so long that um, this was the most important thing. And I think uh, this day and age, I, it, it's good to get other people because we're stuck in Zoom, we're stuck mm. in texts, we're stuck in emails, the personal interaction isn't there. So hearing your voice and inflection and kind of getting the vibe of the other person is so much better for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, you have to answer emails, especially in logistics and getting things moved from point A to point B. But when we're moving knowledge, questions stimulate other answers and other questions and it's better to do it yeah. verbally than try to keep up in a text especially when you're 48 years old so i think the human hearing the human voice is important you know like you said there's so much this loss in terms of communication but it's also it's part of how we connect to each other so i you know it's funny when we first started working with, with jeff holly from ellen heath here on the show you know he would um not answer his phone he has an office phone and so he, he would email me back and then then I was like, I'm gonna break this guy, right? So I started then I started texting him and I I you know, we text all the time, but now I finally worn him down enough that when I call Jeff, he picks up. So um it, it's you know, small personal victory, but I think I think that's a that's an important connection and it's nice to hear voices and uh and just connect with people on that level. But that's the that's the churn side challenge. If you email our, our web form and you want to talk to Kyle and you put your phone number in there, he's going to call you up. So, uh, and yeah. we had a couple people do it who didn't think that he would, and he did. So, <laughs> um, I, my, my side of the mentorship thing has been primarily people who are interested in either measurement, you know, how to use an analyzer. They want to be system engineers, system design, those, those types of things, you know, that, that technical end of it. Um, and it's, it's cool because, to follow people's journey through that topic, you know, and to see them have the same questions that I had and, and struggle with things that I struggled with and be able to say, you know, I, yeah, you know, for a while I was stuck on that. And then I realized this and to kind of guide them through that path of this topic that I'm very passionate about is really cool. Um, and to, to have, I mean, I have a, my man Jaira out in, in Chicago, he, he will go out and measure anything he can find, you know, he'll go to his church and measure a wedge and, then we'll come back and talk about it. And, and, and so little by little, we make a little change to his system every week, either something he's doing at the console or something he's doing with the tuning or mic placement. And, and so he's gradually kind of snapped in and optimized what they're doing at the church. And now they're like, wow, you know, it's great. Our live stream actually translates really well to what's happening in the room and the levels even, and it sounds balanced. And so to kind of work through that incrementally and not only just say, here's what you should do, but let's talk about why this might help you and why this is an improvement over what you're doing. What are the principles involved here? And yeah, ideally we would do this, but you can't do that. So what else can we do? You know, to kind of teach, um, to me, it's important. It's often overlooked that the whole system optimization idea, it's, you know, it's a series of decisions is what it is more than it's using a piece of software or putting a rigging pin in an array. Those things are fun, but what we're talking about is a series of decisions. And so at every step, a human has to make a decision and you can make a good decision or a bad decision. And then the, the sum total of all those decisions will be a system that works or, or doesn't work, right? And so to kind of work through that and talk about 
these decisions and you get to a point where you just sort of do them subconsciously and you automatically are patterned to make good decisions at every step of the way and then you start getting good results very quickly and consistent shows and and so it's very fun to kind of externalize that and to go through with people and chris i know you you uh been talking to a couple of people as well uh, yeah i've been working with uh sam sam zuckerman and um, shout out to sam zuck yeah he's been he's been helping us behind the scenes actually we're hoping to actually um revamp our our mentorship program process just because we're getting people who come in from discord from facebook and uh trying to have a way to centralize that and make sure people are actually getting paired up and stuff so yeah be on the lookout for that but yeah just you know talking about um just kind of day-to-day stuff for him so like he's you know he's in uh you know works at a university and has day-to-day stuff to deal with and like purchasing stuff from vendors and stuff so you know last week he was kind of asking me a question of like hey you know i could buy this piece of gear direct from bnh or i could go with a local vendor it might cost me a little bit more but there's a relationship there and i mean you know like so just kind of like talking out about you know hey just bouncing ideas off mm-hmm. a person who's kind of been in the same place or you know him you know what the future maybe looks like for him either going to potentially another university or a production company and you know just kind of talking out what that is um actually michael you sent me uh, another guy the other day he you know he's looking to get on tour you know he's done kind of like the regional thing but he lives in a, a, a third tier market in north carolina and it's like well how does he get into the industry and so we kind of like talked about like you know the biggest thing i posed to him that i would pose to anyone trying to contemplate what your next move is is like what are you what are you going for mm-hmm. right so like um i like having the conversation of why is that you do want to do what you're doing right it, it's it can't just be for a paycheck I mean, yes we have to make a paycheck but like your driving force has to be you know do you want to be a system tech do you want to be a mix engineer okay or mix engineer do you want to be um do you want to be um is your goal to be mixing lady gaga and beyonce and bieber in this like top tier tour well the path there is completely different than just being a mix engineer in your local club some people are perfectly okay working in the club level you know um part or he was like you know if you want to be a modern engineer your best bet is to get in with a company because nine times out of ten your b and c level bands don't travel the modern engineer so that it gets provided by by the sound company that sound company then that's, that was my path you know mm-hmm. the couple first tours that i did as a modern engineer you know they didn't have one they're like oh we're gonna provide you with this guy and then you start getting it establish yourself with a name then you can start going off and being your your own your own person so it's more about knowing what you want to do and then chasing that as opposed right. and, and 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 defining the why it is that you want to do that as opposed to just i want to tour you know it, there's, there's gonna be there's gonna be more to it than that so those are some of the conversations um that i've been having well, i think the question is like what gets you excited you know what I mean? What makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? What do you want to do? Yep. Kyle, what were you going to say? Oh, I, I just think it's worth saying that a lot of our guests that we've had on the show, like Andrew Stokely, Chad, Olick, um, and a few others have mentioned that they would take on some mentees as well. So it's not just myself and Michael and Chris that are going to be doing this. All we right, have some really yeah. yeah, heavy hitters. Andrew Stokely does the Olympic curling. Like insane if you guys haven't heard that episode or andrew you need to go listen to it it's 
it's mind blowing. And they put microphones and, inside the ice to yeah. mic up. Well, that's I mean that's that's yeah. that's why I said I, I use the word spoiled, and I truly feel that way because the people uh, our guests are the best in the world at what they do. In a lot of cases, they're just oh. just world class engineers, Agreed. and um, it's important. And and Kyle and I say this all the time, right? Uh, oh, what are we going for? The Skittles again? Okay. We've we've talked about this this crass summit, Kyle. We talk about this all the time when we do panels. Are you are you dumping Skittles all over your your floor right now? Is that what's happening? Oh no. Oh, and, no. The, and the dogs here. Okay, gang's all here. We do panels, and you know the students will come up and say, "Hey, you know, I really dig what you're talking about. I'd love to learn more about that. I'd love to connect with you and and tell you about my goals and 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 learn stuff." And we go, "Great. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. You know, hit me up." And I'll give out 50 business cards and I'll hear from one or two people. And, and so, um, you know, it often doesn't take exceptional talent, exceptional technical skill. It often just takes that you're the person who reaches out when the other people didn't. That's, that's often all it takes to put you on the top of the heap and to get you connected with the people you want to get connected to and to get you those opportunities. I mean, I, I put up a thing... Back when, back in the olden days when we had live events, uh, I, I posted and I just said, "Hey, I'm going to be at this theater on this date doing a show. If anyone wants to come shadow me, hit me up." And I had two guys drive like 90 minutes each to come and just hang out and see what I was doing with the analyzer and see what I was doing at the console and just kind of see how it went. And guess what? They, they are both on my company's call list now, and they get gigs all the time. And they get cool, like good paying, fun gigs. Free tickets. And it was just, Michael yeah, Warren, and it's, yeah, and it's just, <laughs> yeah, come, come for the free tickets. Uh, but it, you know, that doesn't require anything exceptional other than saying, "Hey, I'm interested," right? Um, and and so you know, it's sort of like office hours. Our doors are always open, and so you know, it, I, it always makes me a little bit sad when so many people say, "Yeah, I'm, I really want to do this," and then none of them actually follow up with that. So, so I, I always, you know, we talk about that, but I think that's important. And I also will say, mentorship doesn't always mean what are your career goals, because I mean, you know, Matt Gale called me up and said, "Hey, you know, the the monitors buzz in my church. What do we do? You know, okay, well, let's talk about a couple things that that you can look at and see. Maybe we can figure out where that's coming from." So it's it's really, uh, you know, and Kyle has said this all the time: the importance of having a mentor. I mean, Ethan Weiner. Uh, Charlie Hughes at Excelsior Audio, Pat Brown at Synodcon. Like these are people that I yeah. can call when I'm stuck and say, I'm struggling with this concept or my math doesn't match what the prediction says should happen. What am I doing wrong? I do um, that with RF all the time. Right, right. All the time. Right. And, and so I am never going to get to a point where I don't call people and ask for help. And that's part of being a functional professional, I think, and and that's that's an important point. So I don't I don't want to make it feel like it's like you know, uh, it's it's not a school thing. It's about existing professionally and improving yourself. Absolutely. And I think I think it, at some point we're all peers too. You know, like sure. um, we're going to be able to help each other in some way, shape, or form. I mean, like Chris sent a text message to the group the other day, and he's like, you know, this is Wednesday night therapy. And, and that's what it's kind of called, you know, we each have different skill sets and we've each helped each other out in different ways so far. So I could, I could definitely say that Chris and Michael have been my mentors, but yet we're still peers and it, it's a thing. So yeah. Michael, Michael Lawrence is 
known for, hey, I need to talk to Bob McCarthy because he's cool. And somehow he's just like, what's up, Bob? Drop the knowledge, son. And it just happens. So it does work. And um, the podcast has been a huge help. Pro Sound Web um, has really let us kind of do what we want to do. And one of my theories was is I wanted to give back. Because when I did go to Webster, it was only broadcast. And I did learn from my hands-on experience working at crappy punk rock clubs and being in a van with a bunch of metal kids. Like, I would have loved to have the education that I could get now that you guys have available to you with audio and even theater. Like, the, right. there was so many things, there was so many parts and pieces missing to the production world. We were still called roadies until like two years ago. I mean, we're still called roadies, but like, we've, can't, it's we've like, canceled that uh, out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you don't have to explain to your parents, like, I just want to hang out with bands and go on tour. Right. right. The, like, the legitimization it's, of, it's of this career. Um, the fact that you can go to school for this now. Yep. You know, uh, the fact that there are a lot of good programs out there now for this. Um, and, you know, another thing that I think is important to talk about that we've talked a little bit about in the past is that this, this sort of walling off of different portions of this industry. Theater audio, the professional touring audio and Broadway is completely removed from a typical touring rock and roll A1 position. And it's yep. it's a very, very different workflow. It's a lot of different techniques. Um if you watch it, you know, we had Kevin McCoy uh, on the show uh, who mixes the, the Hamilton tour. Um, we had him on twice. That's right. And if, if you are used to mixing rock and roll, watching a theatrical mixer mix a production like that where they're literally throwing a fader for every line in the show. And if someone's mouth is not open, their fader is not up. It's, it's amazing. And it's a totally different technique. Um, and they also, the theater sound people are often like, oh, that's really way different than the way that we would do it. And we're like, oh, that's how we always do it in the rock and roll world and corporate world. So um, it's been interesting for me and it's been greatly helpful to get context from people like Andrew Stokely, people like Kevin McCoy, where it's like, let me tell you about how the broadcast world does this type of thing. Let's see I what... I didn't even well, know that the A2, so Andrew does the, is it the Maple Leafs? Uh, uh, no, the, uh, Blue, the Blue Jays. Blue Jays. Blue Jays. But in, in the hockey world, the A2 is the guy on the ice. Incredible. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. I yeah. didn't know that. I want to be well, the A2. So perfect example. What does A2 mean? Well, depending if it's a rock and roll gig or a corporate gig or a theater gig, very, very different jobs. Very different. And that rock and roll A2, and you put that person in the theatrical A2 position, that's a very, very different job. So being able to see, I mean, we all have our own lens, right? I always have my experiences and the career path that I've had and my context for how things are done. Is something as simple as how this cable should be coiled. Well, you work for three different production companies. Guess what? They have different expectations for how their cable bins are sorted, how they want them coiled. I work for a company. They wanted every single cable. After you coil it, you're not going to over under it, and then you're not going to connect it or tie it. You're going to take electrical tape and wrap it, and then you're going to put it in the bin. And so at Loadout, here's everybody's rolls of electrical tape. That's how you do it, right? So we all have our own lens on things from what we've come up through, our, you know, and then, then to hear someone else's lens and to hear what they're bringing to the table, Coolest bit of advice I ever got was from Andy DeFranco's modern engineer. A guy goes by the name of Scarecrow. Never been able to get back in touch with this dude. So if anyone knows him, <laughs> hit me up. Um, 
I was I was young. I was mixing this festival, and I was I was the the A one for the festival. So I was mixing all the you know the bands earlier in the day that didn't have their engineers. I was responsible for the system. I was responsible for making sure everything happened right from the audio perspective, making sure the generator didn't melt down. Right. So um, he's with the headliner. It wasn't Andy Franco. It was a different man. And he's standing next to me, and you know I'm still mixing the previous band, so he's like not trying to talk to me too much because I'm trying to do my thing. And uh, they kind of hit a spot in the show where I can turn and talk to him. And I said, hey, you know, we introduced each other and we chatted. And um, I said, I feel like I'm over compressing my bass guitar. And he said, oh, yeah, you are. And he said it. He had already heard it and already figured it out and decided on it and didn't say anything. And as soon as I asked, he was ready to give this opinion that he had already settled on. And he said, watch, look, put your put your headphones on. And uh, got onto the desk and showed me some stuff with EQ. And I said, wow, that's, that's really helpful. And then, you know, the coolest thing was he hadn't seen a cardioid subarray before. So he's like, what's going on with the, with those subs? And I said, oh, let's take a walk around the stage. And I took him around behind the stage. I said, you see how there's, it's quiet back here. You don't, you know, and he said, wow, that's really neat. So we both kind of showed up and left with more knowledge. And I think that's really cool. And what he said was, everyone's got their own recipe, man. And, you know, that, that, that kind of stuck me. It was a cool day. And it's a situation where you could get a really territorial house tech or a really territorial touring engineer. And that's a very different interaction and, and one that I've had and one that I don't, I don't care to have. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of been my attitude approaching this show is let's just share our recipes. Let's talk about this. One, one thing that actually you said in there that was, um, that stuck out to me the most with the Ryan John episode that just was this past week, um, when asking for feedback, um, ask for something very specific. So you, right. that was in that scenario where it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, you think this mix is cool? Like that was <laughs> a confrontation. It was right. hey this you know little thing what about the base am i or what am i doing here like that and it's it's something that you know ryan said too it's it looking back now and i think about this it's it's something I'm, I'm gonna make sure going forward like if i'm going to talk to someone about something if i'm if i happen to show up at a show i'm gonna ask about one little thing as opposed to oh yeah yeah mix that a good man like i'm gonna so i think maybe that goes two ways now that i'm thinking about it loud is like when you want to give a person some you know some nice feedback on a show don't just say hey man hey or girl you know woman you know the the, the show sounded great no like give a specific thing that that shows them what you were listening to mm -hmm. that probably could also spark a conversation too because you saying hey the show sounded great is the same as that that drunk fan well, yeah man the guitar solo rock yeah. you know, it's, it's just it's no different level well of no thing. because i have gotten to turn the symbols up that guy the turn the symbols up guy well, we've all had the that. turn the symbols up guy uh Jason Moore, who mixes Train, we had him on the show a while ago. I went out to hang out with him uh, at, at, at uh, I think it was at uh, Saratoga Performing Arts Center, Saratoga, New York. And he was talking about his relationship with, with his system tech, Chris Nichols. And he said, you know, I told Chris, if he's hearing something, I want him to tell me. If something's poking out of the mix, because there's that whole conversation that you have with the, between the mix engineer and the system tech, whereas there's too much 4K. Is it too much 4K in the mix? Is it too much 4K in the system? How do we deal with this? Where do we address this problem? But he said, either way, let's talk about it. Because he said, I might be listening to the snare drum for two whole minutes, you know, working on that. So, you know, you, when you're focused in on a mix element like that, or I'm, I'm tweaking dynamic EQ on my lead vocal. So I'm listening to that. I'm not listening to the bass and how, you know, when you're focused on an element, you can overlook other stuff. And so he said, I want him to tell me. And then we're going to talk about it. And if it's something I can do in the mix or if it's something that he should do in the system, that's cool. But 
when we're focusing on a mix element like that, sometimes you are not hearing some other things that you should be paying attention to. So that's a really helpful thing is, you know, uh, David Williams, um, who does a lot of monitor work for me, you know, he'll usually come out when we do sound check, everything's set. He'll usually come out in the house after and we'll listen to one song in the house. And I'll say, hey, is my bottom snare stepping on my vocal? Or, you know, little things like that. And he's a second check on that to hear these little things that, you know, whatever I was struggling with the most during check, um, I want I want a second opinion on how I settled on that. Do you think it needs more tweaking? And so that's a very valuable idea. Um, poor, I say it all the time, poor Jimmy Akabuski. I send him a board mix probably twice a month and say, all right, how about now? And he says, we're gonna, hey, Kyle, we're going to start drinking every time he talks about sending his mix to, uh, to Jim Yak too. It's important. It's it's I'm important. Wasted. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, how many how many of us are sending our mixes to friends and getting feedback? No, I don't send any mixes. How about that, Michael? I send <laughs> one mix. Well, Eat I said, mix. I said that was you know, yeah, mix. for a long time I said, hey, I mix like a system tech, and that's fine. I'll, you know, you'll hear everything; it'll be there, it'll be balanced. But I toured with a guy who did that. Yeah, but you and want the energy, you, right? How do we have it visceral? How do we have it engaging? How do we have it exciting for the listener, right? And so that was like, well, there's no shows this year. I said, I'm going to up my mixing game a little bit. And so every time I would send it to Yak and and also Raybold and Pooch, and you know, I was very fortunate to get to get some some you know, and uh, they would say, all right, try this with your background vocals. I would make one little tweak at a time, and it would kind of evolve. And I have to say, eight nine months later. Uh, I mean, Kyle, you've kind of heard the difference. It's it's night and day over where it was. And and for the first time in my career, I don't have to say I mix like a system tech. I actually say I'm actually happy with what I'm what I'm producing. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm curious through this process. I, I noticed this is something the other day. Um, you know, a couple things. I've been thinking about what what some overarching themes that we've learned um, from doing this podcast, like the three of us, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I know I personally, the the detail that some people have been going into on how we treat different channels and instruments and stuff like that. And talking to Ryan John specifically, you're talking about improving your mix. I noticed the other day, like when I was listening to an album, I, I'm a very visual person. So like I'm, when I'm cluing in, listening to the drums, uh, I'm actually, I'm visualizing like the stick, like hitting the head or how the beater is, you know, hitting the kick drum. Oh, Howard Page. If, I, if, if I hear a uh, guitar tone, I'm visualizing, okay, if my mic was on the cone at this spot or whatever, right? Couple, couple that with, if, if you, if you can visualize what it is that you're trying to capture or do or how something reacts, it's like a muscle memory that can marry that tone. In other words, mm-hmm. if I hit the tom here and mic it over here at the same time, this kind of happens. Are you are you visual like that at all when you're thinking about your mix and and how things are you know mic placement and and and, and the field of mixing? Um, I, I really want to hear Kyle's answer to this, but I'll say that I think because a lot of my natural context for understanding audio signals is is analyzers, I actually picture filter shapes. <laughs> so if I if I, I, I hear like filters, well you know. Bro. I, I'll go like, oh, you know, there's too much 250 there. I, I picture like the size and shape of the filter that I would put in to fi- like that's where my brain it's a corrective thing. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I characterize it. You can think about how it looks on RTA. Um, people visualize it in the space. You know, for the record, space. this is coming from the same person who has a binary clock in their office as well. I do, I do, I do a binary clock. 
so certainly not he's representative. Got, he's got but, all these paintbrushes, but you need numbers. Well, okay. So I went to college with this this woman who had synesthesia, which is you hear you hear music what and you see that? colors, right? Yeah, she can read minds. No, uh, and so um, she she would see red when it was C, the C note, and she would see orange and it was a D, and she would see yellow and it was an E. And one day I said, do you think that's random? Like, where does that come from? And she said, I had a toy xylophone when I was a child, and those were the colors of the keys. Oh, wow. Right? So, yeah, we all have this different lens to get to the same place. Um, And I would, I also, I would love to call up our friend Willow Snow and hear her thoughts on this, because she's so organic and artistic with how she approaches these things. That I'm, I'm sure that what is happening in her head is very, very different from what's happening in my head. I was happening. Chris said, "Kyle, what, what's going on in your head when you're hearing the elements of a mix? How are you picturing that?" So I always revert back to the Howard Page episode and um, visually translating what you see on stage to what you're hearing. Mm. Um, he he literally told me he was like, "If he is smashing the snare drum, mate, make it sound like the snare drum is smashing." Um, just basically visually realizing and, and we've talked about it a lot, moving microphones, you know, making sure that the drums are tuned correctly. You know, some, sometimes when we were working with younger bands, like the warp tour bands at the time or whatever, they would buy a drum kit because it looked like Travis Barker's, but then they tune it like it was Travis Barker's, but it's not tuned like the drum is supposed to sound. So it, it was a lot of education, you know, um, a, you can't overtune a drum or undertune a drum, um, mic placement, uh, and imaging too. People get a little bit irrational with imaging. And I think this goes along with now everybody sending board mixes to people. The translation of imaging is way different than your array that you're mixing in your live environment, you know, whether you're in a club where everything's really close together, or if you're in an amphitheater setting when you're 40 feet, you know, span, um, the imaging almost has to be visual. Like you said, uh, you kind of got, got to listen to things, close your eyes and put them in to where you're not getting too much separation. You know, guy on this side of the stage is still on this side a little bit because your room's so wide or whatever, um, it, it's more of a feel, I think. Mm. Um, like I used to do weird things. Like I'd lean my leg against the front of the console. So I knew when sub was hitting correctly. Cause my XL four would vibrate a certain way when the subs were moving the energy properly. Um, the one thing that I take with me and this will be post COVID obviously, uh, is the the flat system tuning and the tilts that we've talked about on multiple episodes too i think that's the one thing that's going to really change the way i mix when i get to go back behind the desk which might happen it might not you know i kind of like home depot you know um <laughs> you're the only one out of us with a ladder certification i don't have a ladder certification exactly. i bet chris I can doesn't drive either. Fork truck. i can drive a fork <laughs> truck uh, actually i am forklift and um aerial certified but anyway oh well shit i gotta get with the game then i gotta get my genie card well, um the, the arms reach thing hold on i, I could double up on this i have my well, you can't my, double up you, are, my, uh, my, my sun belt certification right here wow Anyway, um, um, I, have a, I have a feather and a sage stick <laughs> <laughs> well, no, on the, uh, one more thing on the visualizing thing I, I think part of it too is like so like like kick drum um i like to the the correlation of visual and and hearing 
uh, is I, I have like a, it's almost like a muscle memory of, of what to expect something to sound like. Mm. In other words, so when you, when you, when you push up that mic, if you've seen enough d different kick sizes and people and things like that, there should be a level of exit, you know, not every kick is going to sound the same. Uh, and we've been over this too. We're like the same kick drum, literally the same kick drum with three different drummers is going to sound completely different. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I visualize at the same time of what I think something should sound like when I see like that beater hit the, the, um, right. the kick drum and stuff. And I, 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 I muscle memory those things together in my head. I don't know. Well, there's, there's, there's a stylistic appropriate consideration Metallica versus Diana crawl. Those are not the same kick drum. So if you're approaching them the same way, right. What crowd? Who, who's that? Diana crawl or Metallica? Both. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do, I do, I do want to say um, we're getting towards the end of our session, and I'd love to get some questions. And yeah. further than the questions that can happen to here, um, go to the ProSound Web, go to the Signal to Noise podcast. You can fill out a form and email us there, or signal the number two noise at gmail.com. Just go to signalsandnoisepodcast.com. It's all there. It's all there. And oh, sign yeah. up. Again, Alan Heath's giving away a mixing console. Audix is giving away some some mics. What console? Uh, we, it's an SQ5 they're giving away. And the mics are the two uh, condenser mics and some headphones, too? I know uh, it's a whole package. It's a whole D6. package. It's, uh, it's two ADX51 pencil condensers, an i5, a, a D6, an A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mic and a pair of A150 headphones that I've, I've, I really enjoy. So that's the, that's, that's a, that's a sweet bundle. Um, yeah. So, so I'll also just add is some food for thought. We talk a lot about reinforcement and sometimes just giving it enough to sound exactly like it sounds in real life, like a reproduction. Sometimes that's not my goal. Um, I like to talk about the, the, when you look at the Times Square, the ball dropping on TV, right? If you've actually been to Times Square, when you, Chris, when you look up and they go, there's the ball, you're like, wow, really? It's so far away. It's so tiny. Oh, it's, yes, you can barely see it. Right. And so that's something that is objectively cooler on TV, right? It's larger than life. And that's part of the expectation. So sometimes you want to mix that way too. That's another thing I learned from Yak. Here we got a question. All, All right. right. Question. Yeah. What do you think is the best? Uh, networking opportunity for students. Um, Michael okay, Lawrence. Chris. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, don't be like just just say hi to everybody. Hey, you know, I, you know, I, I hope that 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 you know. I again, I look forward to when Kylan used Kylan used to do this in person, and we people come up after us and and talk to us after the sessions, and we get, we get some emails. Um, we want to hear from you, and when we want to connect other people, um, I I probably would never go to a show and not step by front of house and say hello. Um, after you work on something, dropping a quick email saying, hey, I really enjoyed working with you. Just keep in touch with people. Hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? And, and it, 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 people really appreciate that. And it doesn't take a lot of your time. You know, we're living in an era where you can send a quick text message. Um, just being socially conscious, I think, is a tremendous networking opportunity. You don't have to sell people on your skill set. Uh, people will figure it out on your own if you're, if you're good at what you do. Um, and oftentimes, as we talked about a bunch on the show, how good you are, what you do is far less important than if you're a cool person to be around, if you want to be around you, if you're pleasant, right? Uh, Chris, I know you have thoughts on that. Yeah. So, you know, in the day and age where we can't actually see anybody, um, you know, social media is, can be used as a great tool. 
um, whether it's uh, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, the cool thing about LinkedIn, uh, if you're not there, I highly suggest getting there. It's not just a place to put your resume. Um, it is a massive networking tool. Um, connect with as many people as you can within the industry. Um, and then you'll see like, so if you connect with like Michael and I, um, and, and Kyle, you'll see the people that we comment or talk to go connect with them. And it just festers from there. So we, we have already said the most important way to network, ask a specific question, right? Um, not, not a general thing like, uh, you know, Hey, come and hang out with a gig with you. Like, or, you know, it's ask a specific question. Um, you'll, you'll show the interest and people, uh, people should respond from that. Um, join some communities, um, like ours, you know, this isn't just self-promotion, but Sickles and Noise podcast, Facebook group. No, join ours. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm saying like the, the people that are in there, like our hundred some plus guests or whatever we've had, you know, they're it. Most of them are in there and willing to engage and talk. And these are, and I'm, I'm going to drop the first F-bomb in the episode here. Stop fucking thinking that just because someone is more successful than you, that, that you're not, you know, on level to talk to them. Yes. Our Facebook group has some of the world-class engineers, some of the most successful and highly revered engineers on the planet. Robert Scoville, who mixes Prince and, and Petty and just, just legendary acts comes by. They and, they are both dead, but Scoville's not. Um, and 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 he comments and helps people out on things and answers questions, gives thoughts. And and we have, you know, don't feel like I'm not worthy to participate and talk to these people. Like this community brings everyone down to the same level. It's really great. Um, people who don't want to talk and don't want to share and don't want to network are not there, right? And I'm not just talking about our Facebook. I'm just talking about our industry in general is fantastic about this. Um, Kyle. Favorite project or event you've ever worked on? Hang on. I'm going to answer the question first. Okay. So uh, this is for my St. Louis folk and surrounding area. We have a killer network of audio professionals here as well. Um, I see Bob Horner here, Iron Man, uh, Casey Hunter, uh, Chip Self, um, Rusty Waddell. Like there, there's so many um, Carl Napa. Holy cow. Like there, there's so I feel like many you're accepting people. an award right now. Well, I definitely want to give a shout out. You know, I mean, <laughs> we don't have much in St. Louis. We really don't. I mean, I lived in Vegas for seven years in Phoenix. Like, um, St. Louis is a B market at best, you know, and C market most of the time. You know, they're like, oh, you see that new band Collective Soul is coming to Riverport? Awesome. <laughs> you know, when they're playing like the casino at in vegas three shows a night you know um so use your resources locally as well and that's how i started here was going to the local venue you know so go to the firebird go to the pageant meet tiffany meet randy meet josh get to know them say hello you know tell them you're a student of audio and i'd also like to mention jeff holly's wise words that he mentioned in his very first podcast with us is there is a lot to the music business besides just being an audio person. You know, I've worked for manufacturers. I've worked for production houses. I've worked for house of worship. I've worked as a tour manager. I've worked as a general manager, as a production manager and all those things and all those skill sets make you a better person. Um, and I, I think locally, St. Louis has a lot of possibility. I think one of the students that I still talk to to this day works over at the St. Louis Zoo. Um, what a, like, are you kidding me? You get to mic up people and see the dolphin show? 
<laughs> funnel cakes? <laughs> what? Like, where else can you get funnel cakes every day? Like, I'd have to do a festival, like festival tours all the time. Um, but there, there's an awesome opportunity, uh, definitely. And and another shout out to the AES kids here that get this stuff set up because, like, we learned from doing our little commercial, the largest student-ran AES event in the world is right here, right now. So use your resources. You know, yeah. all these people are great people to know. Um, and then what was your question, Michael? Well, it's not well, it was we, in the group. Claire, oh, we put group. some links in the chat. Maybe you can forward them to everybody. Or I don't know if everyone can see it or whatever, but our Single Noise Facebook and we have Discord combined. Say hello to us. Um, the what? question was the favorite project or event that you've ever worked on. I know we Chris's get, answer. You get cut off oh. in five minutes, right? No, I think yeah. we have, I think we have like more time than that. Oh, okay. Claire, I'm sure Claire will tell us. She's on top of it. Um, my, my favorite's easy. It's the inauguration. Has to be. Easter. No. Easter. We have a half, we have uh we have a half hour. So. Oh, shit. Oh, oh God. I'm taking my shirt off. <laughs> I'm really torn because it there's there's two. I know he said one, but two. Um, actually, oh, I'm always pushing it. It doesn't work. No, so the inauguration is one. So uh, Obama's inauguration. I mean, it doesn't get mu like more historic than that in terms of like a gig you work on. The difference on that one being, that I was just a system tech and not like even at Michael's level system tech. Like I plugged some stuff in, I mic'd up Yo-Yo Ma, Ipsak Perlman. Like I didn't, I didn't like actually like. No big deal. I I, I mic'd up Yo-Yo Ma and Ipsak Perlman. I'm not buying it, man. That's cool. No, that's but it was like you said Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. I don't think that's what he's talking about. I, did not, I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> no, so Steelers day off. Oh. <laughs> The um the, the the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl parade victory parade I mean so that was for eight hundred plus thousand people close to a million or whatever largest um outdoor event in Philadelphia history I got to design the system mix uh mix the show um I, it's gonna be I think it'd be very hard to top a gig that. I'll be that directly involved with in my mm -hmm. career. I mean, who knows? I didn't think that was going to come, but um, it, it just did. And, and so that's that, that's pretty cool. Hello to Ian Corbett. Just showed up, by the way. Um, Doctor, get it. Yes, right. Oh, so that's that, right. Hold on. I didn't we say Mr. That means we yeah, have we, more questions. So please, well, your question's coming. Yeah, throw the questions out. Kyle, favorite event or project you ever worked on? Wow. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and be honest. I'm a dad. I'm a dad to three wonderful kids and um yeah that's the my favorite project like audio is just this thing I do like um okay I'll quit being facetious favorite event I've ever worked on so wow there's been so many cool ones like just from the podcast like I, um Tony Hawk experience was pretty neat uh that sounds like some sort of a thing that you could buy a ticket to the tony brazil was insane like we played for a hundred thousand people there wow. um i don't even know bro <laughs> they all have so many cool nuances like i've worked for a couple church gigs that i was like holy cow like this is really going down at church this is awesome like full-on animals and Cirque du Soleil people and I don't know it's all experience it's like it's like I say 
I finish all these chapters in my book and then I start a new one. So there's like a cool nuance to every chapter. Like if here's the deal, if I quit having a favorite project or event, yeah, I fucking quit. I'll drop the yeah. second F bomb. I'll quit. Yeah. I shouldn't be doing this. My, my favorite project or event right now is talking to mentor mentees. Like, I feel like it's time. It's time for me to start giving back to what I learned. And, you know, Chris always asks the legacy question. It's like, um, I'm so undecided on life. Like, I might as well get rid of some of the stupid knowledge that I have pent up in my head. Like, you guys are so much better at articulating the technical side of it. But the life side of it was just like my jam. Like, I've had a pretty cool life. Kyle, I told you this probably a year ago we were talking one time and i said i don't think i've ever encountered anyone professionally who who didn't have something positive to say about you and i don't think i know anyone else in the industry that i could say that about that's pretty pretty cool man it's it's really cool i mean i called the local uh the the local staring distributor for some price quotes on a on a high school theater project or something like that and he said oh you work, you work with Kyle Trinside? He said, that guy's a fucking legend. And I said, yeah, yes, it's really cool. You know, um, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a, a, a legacy. I mean, leaving a bunch of people who are happy that they know you, man. You can't yeah. ask for something better than that. You know, I don't even, I don't even got tissues here, bro. I got a dryer so- sheet. <laughs> <laughs> No, thanks. I I really did like. I think my upbringing here in St. Louis and being around punk rock and like that was my family, you know, punk rock and metal family. And and I think walking into a venue or walking into a production house and stuff, maybe Casey or Bob can attest to this. Like, I really don't get mad about anything. I try to stay as calm as possible and get the job done. Um, I go above and beyond to get done what I have to get done. And I. I've rarely got mad. Like if I get mad, there's something kind of wrong. You better check on me. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I don't even, I mean, this. yeah, I, I, I've never seen you get even ruffled, I would say, but, but I was going to say this idea that you want to be the kind of person that people like to be around. Right. And I, I've told you this off the record, Kyle, I did a show with one of the other monitor engineer on deck that day was, was a, a, a guy that you've worked with. And he was a very good minor engineer and he was absolutely intolerable to be around. And I had a miserable <laughs> day because the guy was just, just mean. It's funny. And you're, so you're kind of answering the lightest question, by the way. So I'm yeah. going to use it out while you, while you finish your statement. What are some of the most important non-audio skills to have in a live audio yeah. industry? Don't Jiu-jitsu. be a but keep going. Yeah. But, but don't be a dick. I mean, it's, it's, it's Wheaton's law, right? It, it's super important because I had a miserable day that day because as good of an engineer as this person was, and as much as I would have liked to learn from them and to talk shop with them, he was just, he made everyone around him upset. Um, And that's not a good way to get things done. So, you know, Ryan O'John said to me a long time ago, he said, I want to be the kind of person that when I walk into the room, people are happy to see me. Now, if you can do that and you're very good at what you do, right? You show up, you're nice to work with, you're pleasant, people enjoy you being there and, you did your job and you solved the problem and everyone had a good show like that. That's where I want to be. Yeah. Right. And that's not easy. Um, that would be, I guess. Yeah. So I guess I did answer both questions at once. Um, I also like the, the other idea, the other question, what new developments are tech in the industry? Are you excited about? 
Well, I, think about that answer. You may already have it because I don't know how to answer that one. But I do want to answer the um, the most important non-audio skills. Uh, I think the, as some people call it, like the soft skills, the people skills, um, that matters more than any level of mixing or tech that you can do. Um, if you don't know how to communicate and run a crew, and I don't mean drive a crew in terms of like, Hey, go push that effing case and do this. I'm talking about like making them a part of your team and actually getting people on board as a buy-in to what you're about to do. You know, th there's a different skill there. Um, but I think more importantly, learn what all the other departments around you actually are doing. You don't have to, yes. you don't have to know how to go up yes. to that video board or lighting board or whatever or that projector and do it, but understand what it takes to do their part of the job and how your piece of that pie fits into the rest of the pie. Because if you only solely focus on what it is that your job is to get done and you don't understand the ramifications of anything you do and how to fix everyone else or what someone else do to get, get to your spot, um, you're going to be in a bad spot. So understanding the broad scope will make you way better at what you're doing because you can just stay in your lane or be able to help somebody in time of need. So that's, uh, I know that's a very general broad thing, but I mean, it's, it's, no, it's a, it's a win-win though. I remember Potter was telling me she was working on this corporate thing and they sent her the drawings and said, all right, you know, so she's like, here's my delay positions. And, and she, you know, we worked on display angles and, you know, we, we had this whole design and then she said, all right, here's what I want to do. She shows up on the day and there's these huge video screens where her delay positions were because people didn't talk to each other. So that that just frustrates everybody, and the show almost always will suffer as a result of that. So when I'm on a show, I, I'm very early on talking to. I mean, I just I just signed on to a theater project yesterday, and I had the first thing that hit my email inbox was the lighting plot because I want to know what's going on with the lighting. I want to know what's going on with the center before I even start to think about mics or anything like that. I talk a lot with the lighting designer. I talk a lot with what's happening with video. When I'm doing a, a concert, I talk a lot with the monitor engineer. Because what kind of environment they're trying to create on stage is going to determine what I do with my subs. You know, we had an ACDC tribute band, and then the next day we had an acoustic thing. So for one of those, we want to keep all the sub energy off the stage. And for the other one, if it's not super loud and rumbling on stage, the band's going to be like, where's all my sub, right? So, so that's part of the monitoring experience that the, that the artist has. So it's part of the thing that the monitor engineer needs to answer for. So I designed my system for the people out front, taking into account what the monitor engineer needs to do on stage. And so have those conversations early on and it saves you legwork. It saves you frustration. It, it makes everybody have a, have an easier day. Um, I, I, I've been told <laughs> that someone said, you know, it's, it's hard to come and do shows for you because you create such a relaxed environment. And that was an interesting, like, compliment. I'm like, is that a compliment? Uh, but, like, you know. Michael brings the weed. Well, it, it's it's kind of, I make sure they have all the, the, the resources they need to do their job, and then I don't babysit you. I give you, I, I trust you as a professional to do what you were hired to do, but I give you what you need to do it. Come ask me if you need help. But I, I, don't, I don't believe in micromanaging. I don't believe in drip feeding people information. And it's such a different environment than that than i'm used to when i'm on other people's gigs and i'm like look the band opened in five minutes no one's giving me a patch list yet like what are we gonna do here you know uh kyle so i think i i developed answers to the two questions so what new developments or tech in the industry are you most excited about uh one is the tm is it the tm2 measurement device for the in-ears and the headphones i think that's going to give iem companies accountability for their curves now 
So now that we have something to look at, there may be a standard in IEMs, or at least something that we're looking for to hit in the world of IEMs, because I think that there was a lot of misconception that a brand or a name was better than another thing, and the price dictated the sound quality that you're going to get. And now we can actually test those things and make sure that, um, one, uh, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, because we can't put the artist's ears in our ears, so we can actually listen to them virtually through you know measurement devices. I think that's going to be huge for monitor engineers. And like I said, uh, industry accountability of what IEM sound like in your ears. If they're telling you they're flat and we measure them and they're not, you're not telling the truth. So now we get the truth in measurement. Hopefully, that'll get some accountability. So that's my tech development that I'm really excited wow, about. What a great answer. Uh, the second one. I'm always thinking, bro. This thing is always on. <laughs> always on. I'm thinking SpaghettiOs and what we're doing later already. Ooh. Um, I'm past. I got, got a pot roast in the crock pot right now. Actually. Yep. So more <laughs> important <laughs> audio skills to have in the live audio industry, and it kind of goes along with what Chris said. You need to work both sides. You need to see what both sides do. If you work at a venue, you need to know the venue approach to dealing with artists. If you work with an artist, you need to know the venue approach to dealing with artists. One, you know all their trickery. So if you're ever put in a tour management or a production management uh, position, you know when people are trying to screw you. Um, you know basically both sides of it. And, and that goes for anything. Like um, I think... Soft skills are super important, you know. Uh, what else? Live industry. Um, I really liked working customer service because then I knew what other people wanted from products mm. and what they expected from products from manufacturers and being able to help them out in emergency situations when things went wrong, whether, you know, things were software-based or hardware-based or why they were happening, um, bug fixes, because a lot of manufacturers lie about that stuff. They do, you know, they're just a version update and something just happens and they cover it up that, you know, you might have a catastrophic failure to show, you know, and um, I think it's super important to know what clients are buying and why they're buying them and who they're buying them from. And uh, if you work in the support business through manufacturers, you learn a lot of those things and you learn about your clients and you develop the relationship. Same thing with you know, meeting everybody and saying hello and talking. Those people are my friends now in the industry. So I can call uh, Graham Hendry from Rinkus Hines and go, hey, man, uh, I need to know about these speakers. You know, is this legit? Like, and we can have a legitimate conversation about things and, and get to the bottom of it. Uh, same thing with the guys over in Midas or Digico or even Rhino John with uh, Avid or Michael Lawrence. Or uh, Matt Lawrence. <laughs> ha ha, I did it again. As, as is tradition for you to mix us up at the AS. <sighs> That's all right. I'll tell the St. Louis listeners that Michael called it ooey gooey butter cake the other day. Well, Joy has been calling it that. My girlfriend's been calling it that for months. So And and so I go, look, you kept saying that. I go, so I said it on the show, and then I was promptly corrected. And she goes, oh, yeah, I know it's not called that, but I like the name better. I'm like, what? So <laughs> conspiracy on up. the snack food. Um the industry lesson you've had to learn the hard way. Great question. Oh, man. I have two. I have a 
I'm, I'm over. I, I bet. I bet. I know what your answer is. I'm going to see if I'm right. No, I have one that I haven't talked about yet. So I have a okay. fun, uh, I have a funny, simple lesson of remembering to power lock your wireless microphones, um, <laughs> or make sure they're on. So um, was I impacts too? Yep. Was touring with. Um, uh, uh, Fantasia was the opening act. She had kind of just won American Idol or whatever. Uh, we're in her hometown of Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, I'm like the stage tech guy and I hand her her microphone and she goes out there, you know, and do the whole Hello Cleveland thing. And, you know, her mic, her mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. Uh, and I had to promptly run out on stage real quick. Oh, you know, and this was like the old, before UHFR, it was the um, one that had the little antenna stick at the bottom. You had to like, oh, yeah, vintage uh, scroll just to get into there anyway. Oh, uh, no. And, you know, turn it on, power lock it, screw it back on, uh, and, and off your way. So since then, I've never, I have never forgotten to power lock a microphone or physically turn it on before you hand it to an artist. So that, that's a simple, funny one, the hard way. On a serious note, though, um, I learned a kind of a um, humbling lesson that I didn't learn until years later. Looking back, I was I I let my ego um, get the best of me, or not, I don't know if it's ego or or just pride, or just you know trying to be the shit. Um, I don't know what it was. So when I was out with Josh Groban, um, I was the department head for the for the tour. So it was a crew of like five sound people on the tour. You know, there was a stage right PA fly person, stage left PA fly person, front of house monitors. I was the monitor tech, um, and I was submixing stuff. Anyway, so but I was responsible for running the crew for the in and the out, and we had a um, that one of the PA fly techs, um. I, I gave this person shit the whole tour um, to the point where I actually asked them to be removed between between tour legs um, and and we ha had the person replaced um, because what it boiled down to is that, you know, she was she, she was not um, I didn't think she was doing as good of a job as I would have liked. She wasn't. And more importantly, she was doing things that I I would have done it differently. And I can say, hey, you should do it this way. Do it this way. It's faster. It's faster. This guy's doing it this way. Um, and at the moment, I felt like I was right. I felt like I was justified in saying that she wasn't getting her job done right. Uh, it wasn't getting fast enough, wasn't efficient enough. It took years later, I realized I was being a, we've already dropped the F-bomb. I was being a fucking asshole, You're right? I was trying to have a power trip. I was trying to um, Im impose myself of like, I know what to do here. Mean meanwhile, she'd been touring longer than I had. I mean, I was fairly young at the time. I'm still young. Um, and I, I wish I could take it back. I, I wish I would have, you know, I know now that there are multiple ways to get things done. Um, and sometimes you just need to, uh, you need to let people do their own thing and still, you know, there's multiple ways to actually get a project done as long as at the end of the day, you're still getting it done fast enough or the, or it's safe. So like, it was just more of like a looking back going, Hey, Accept accept some things for what they are, and and not just try to get you know the ego side of it. So, slip. Yeah, I I I have a similar a similar thing that I would say, which is you don't always have to offer a solution. Sometimes it's not your place to tell somebody that something's not right. You have to know when to let it slide. If someone comes to you and asks, then you can tell them. But um, just Sometimes you're in a situation where you're expected to be the person to offer a solution, but oftentimes you are not. And in so, the mortal words of Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. <laughs> that, that's right. Um, that's absolutely right. And 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 
you know, we are we are trained listeners. We are we we hear things. Uh, we're very sensitive to things and mixes and things that are wrong with systems. That's part of being an audio engineer. Um, that doesn't mean you should offer that up all the time. So uh, just just be tactful in terms of saying, hey, something's wrong. Uh, the craziest audio story, I would say, come back. Uh, is it tomorrow, Kyle? This the Sunday morning Sunday. storytelling. Yeah, yeah last time. Storytelling. Last time Kyle and I were there, I told the story about how my boss got booed by twenty five thousand people over a water bottle, and Kyle told the story about a guy named was his name Dirty getting branded outside the tour bus. So if you're in, on in that panel tomorrow, yep. yeah, okay. So swing by, swing by that panel tomorrow. I'm sure Kyle will have some crazy stories. Yeah, um, see how far they of, let me go this year. <laughs> best advice for an audio student trying to get in the industry: You are already in the industry. So change change your 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 mental framing of that question. You're already in the industry. So so proceed with that in mind. But reach out to us, reach out to think about, you know, what is my dream gig? How do I get there? Like what Chris and, and, and Kyle said earlier in the episode. Start planning for that and, and put those pieces in place to work towards something that you're passionate about. Reach out to people, reach out to us, reach out to people at, at rental houses, reach out to the engineers that have the gigs that you want and ask them questions and learn and just put yourself on the radar. Uh, Kyle, you had a comment on that? No, yeah, for sure. Best best audio advice I've gotten a long time was the one and only Grace Royce that I probably commented on a bazillion yep. times. I'm going to drink it, every time you do this one. That's what yeah, we're going to do. Yeah. And, and it rings, there we go. It rings true every time is that if you're coasting, you're going downhill. Period. You can only coast downhill. So I love it. Yeah. You can only coast downhill. So, you know, keep pushing forward. There, yep. there is no top to this thing, you know, find your comfort level, get there, learn as much as possible. Um, common mistake you see as students making as they enter the audio industry uh, is they don't look at the audio interest industry as a whole. They look at it as this tiny fragment of mixing. And Michael talks about this all the time where he brings students in and they're waiting at front of house to flip the desk and there's still speakers being flown and cables being run. Um, I think that's the biggest misconception is um, you're going to be mixing and you're going to be mixing for stuff that you like. I have yeah. news for you. Yeah. It, it's going to be garbage. And you're <laughs> going to be garbage. And you're going to have well, to fix cables and clean mud off of rodeo snakes. And nothing is fun. And you're going to smash your fingers in 30 degree cold. And you're going to be burning up at 120 in the desert. Yeah. It's all yep. about. here. Here's another a saying. You can't teach give a shit. Either you got it or you don't. And that I, I hope that's said. the theme of everything that we've talked about so far today. If you give a shit, act like it. If you don't, then yep. go find something else to do. Because guess what? You'll probably make my money doing something else anyway, yeah. Chris. <laughs> I think a um, couple things on the mind is patience is number one, which yep. I'm the worst person to say to have patience for. I mean, these guys know like when I get an idea of something, I freaking run with it and and, and want to get it done. So I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, that's a constant lesson for me. But patience, like this is a... we're. You know, the fun thing I like about our industry is that this is a, for me at least, the audio industry is a life journey. This is, this is not, this is, I don't look at this as this is the way for me to pay my bills. No, no, no. I'm still at the core 
I do this because this is me. This industry is my blood, right? Which means it's a it's a thing that I want to engulf myself in for the rest of my life. Um, and so there has to be long-term vision there of like, you know, and, and there's going to be different waves. Like, again, I did, you know, rock and roll stuff for a, a period of time. I done corporate stuff. Now I'm doing a little more management stuff. I'm doing the podcasting thing. I'm doing research, all of which are part of the, of the industry. Um, the other thing too, is, uh, I mentioned already about figuring out what you want to do. And the key to that is, uh, kind of like what Kyle said, it's okay. Um, it's okay to, to not be the engineer, not to be the mixer, right? I think sometimes it's, um, I've heard in some cultures like, well, well, what are you going to do when you get older, when you grow up or that, that, that language, I, I can't stand the, what are you going to do when you grow up? Type of Thank thing. you but, for joining us. Right. <laughs> no, but like, I, it's, it's, it's not like, well, when are you going to be the next mixer for uh, Bieber and whatever? Dude, there's this guy I know, Fumi. He is the greatest PA fly tech in the world. And he's a crazy guy. Yeah. Crazy guy yeah. <laughs> wears short shorts uh, and got hair down to his ass and, and sometimes wears shoes. Um, and he has, that's all he does is fly PA and he's amazing at it. And that is okay. There's like, it's not like you're not justified if you didn't make it to a Pooch and Raybould status or whatever. Like it's okay to be an A2 in broadcast for a whole career. You know, you got. Um, uh, what you're saying is all roads don't lead to front of house. Is what yes, you're saying. 100%. So, yeah, there. Yeah. So it's you want to you want to find ways to dabble into this and try monitors, try RF, try this. And you have to try these things to figure these things out. But once you find that freaking pursue that and do that for a while, like it's there's not like a hierarchy of like, well, there's these people here that, you know, happen to patch stages. There's people here who happen to be a system tech. And then there's the mix engineers. Bullshit. You know, there's system techs and fly PA techs that I value way more than half the mix engineers that are in the industry. It's about being good at what you do and and being good to work with. Um, We have a a couple more minutes left. Uh, This is an important one for for education. The most common mistake. We're we're getting like random. Yeah, I know. This is, yeah, this is nice. You should start a YouTube channel, Chris. Uh, What's (laughs) the most common mistake you see students making as they enter the audio industry? Again, first of all, you're you're already in the audio industry, whether or not you realize it. So think about that. Number two, do not expect... Your degree, your background, your school, your program to matter to the person who's been on the road for 35 years. Don't expect them to care about that. Don't expect them to be impressed by that. In fact, I took it one step further <laughs> because of the. I was being diplomatic, but I, I know well, what you're going to say. I I, because of the, and I'll say it, the air quotes, the stigma of going yeah. to recording school. I actually, for the longest time, didn't tell people I went to Sheffield. Because I didn't want the, you know, there is the full sale stigma, the whatever stigma, I'll call it what it is of like, you know, there's a lot of older road dogs, not Kyle, but other older road dogs who are like, who are these punk ass kids from full sale who don't know shit and think they're come out of school and take my job. Like that is a a stigma that's out there. So um, I like Hannah's approach to this is just do your job really well. And then when they go like, oh, so what do you do? Where you come from? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in school. And they're like, you, like you flip their mentality, right. like f- yeah. uh, force them to think out wrong, uh, wrong about themselves right. by work ethic and and the give a shit. Don't be an asshole. Right. 
that's something that that her and I've worked on a lot because she she has a deck stacked against her. You're talking about someone like that. They're 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 young, they're female, and they're coming out of an audio school. So you have a touring act going to take one look at you and decide that you have no fucking idea what you're doing, right? And that can start off as as an unpleasant working relationship if you're the house tech for the day. So the 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 best defense against that now the industry is changing very slowly we are making some progress in that right but the best thing that you can do is go in there and kick ass just do a good job if you if you're so competent that they can't ignore it and then at the end of you know she told me the story about it and i think she told it on the show at one point but, you know she she was getting shit from a band and she went in and she just did a good job and at the end of that date they said can you come on tour with us right there, there, it, it's, it's, it's very hard to argue with results. So, don't expect, you know. And and that there was a thing when I was at Berkeley. They said, don't tell people you went to Berkeley. Just, just go in and do it. Just do a good job. If they want to talk about it after, that's great. I don't care how you got your knowledge. I care whether or not you can do your job. I don't. I don't. I've never been asked to produce a degree. Right? No one's ever asked for that cred. No, I don't ask the people on my crew where they learned. You can do your job, or you can't do your job. And I'm going to hire you, or, or I'm not. So um, that that's what I would caution against. It's very, it's very, and and I don't think Webster has this issue. I don't. But there are some schools out there where I see kids coming out and they feel like Superman, and you know, then reality hits hard. So so just just be aware that the education, the background, the context you have is fantastic, and it's very important. And I don't want I don't want anyone to think otherwise. But and it's I, not the whole picture. I don't see those people that are getting out of the school putting their skill sets on their resume. They're more about the dates and times and places than they are skill sets. You know, COVID made us realize that the CV style resume where you explain skill sets in your management style and what you can do along with the job that you had. Mm -hmm is a better resume for an employer. And I like the way that you do it, Michael, in, in Rome, is is that you basically have a test at your production company. You know, uh, set up this, this PA real quick for me. Tell me about the ins and outs, you know, troubleshoot this thing, um, you know, hit some checkpoints. Um, I, I think that's super important. Uh-oh, another question. I think, think oh, oh, five minutes left. Uh, well, I think this is a reasonable place to wrap up. I definitely want to say thanks to everybody for joining us. For real. Um, and again, please visit us on our Discord, visit us on our Facebook page, visit us at signalnoisepodcast.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I am often disappointed when, when we do stuff like this and then I don't hear from anybody. Please, please reach out to we us. We have at least one person who's Visit. on Discord during this time. We do. Kane, Kane jumped into Discord. What's up, Kane? Yeah, we're, we're buddies now. Uh, visit me in Maryland Heights or visit me at right. the uh, St. Charles Home Depot. There you go. La last arm distance game. I haven't done this on the podcast yet, so I will okay. show you my full-size Darth Vader. Wow. From the 70s. When you, now, when, wait, hold on. When you say full-size... Well, I that's, mean, it's that's the, clearly the like one. about eight I can't inches even tall. Put it in the screen, dude. Look how big my Darth Vader is. Oh <laughs> uh, boy! Thank you for joining us to see how large Kyle's Darth Vader is. Not an innuendo. Um, wow. We really appreciate everyone tuning in and hanging out. We appreciate your questions and and like I mean, I'm super serious when I say it. I know Chris and Kyle are super serious as well. We do hope to hear from you. Please reach out and and chat with us and bug us and and. Uh, we want to uh, we want to do what we can to get everybody snapped in here. So 
Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Crass, AES, yep, Casey, all the staff. Thank you. Uh, we got a couple more. I got a couple more panels coming up. I'll be with Bob and some other folks for a technology panel and uh, Sunday morning story time. Don't miss that. Classic. Yeah, classic. Oh, shit. He's got the music. Cut the feed. <laughs> Out. Where's my Mercedes to take me to the airport? <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> now that you got your, your Zoom rig figured out, you can go and do your next panel now. This was just this, basically the uh, line check. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, we really appreciate you coming to Crass. Um, it sounds like you're reading off a card. I'm, <laughs> I'm genuine. Thank you for coming. Um, we actually really do appreciate it. You guys are awesome, and you're so supportive of Webster's program. So thank you for coming. You guys rule. You guys are very blessed to have what you have, for sure. Yep. Thanks, guys. You can tell he's serious because he just put his glasses on. Look, they're my readers, dude. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> See you All soon. right, fellas. Bye, everybody.